The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I had this offer to go back and, and get another job, but I knew that if I didn't take this opportunity to start my own company, I probably never would. 17 years ago, life gave Ben Chestnut the push to start the company that became MailChimp. He was in web design. They got laid off. His employer offered him another job, but he knew this was his chance to build his own thing. Today, if you run a small business or you're into marketing, you've probably heard of MailChimp. For everyone else, it's the way a lot of people reach their customers' email inboxes. Newsletters, offers for special sales, you name it. MailChimp is in the tricky game of helping companies reach the people who actually want to be reached. Today, Ben Chestnut's team has more than 14 million users and had more than $400 million in sales last year. Ben himself, an introvert, a soft-spoken guy who has perfected the art of capitalizing on the wrong answer and getting to the right one. I'm John Ford from CNBC, and you're listening to the Fort Knox Podcast, Rich Ideas and Powerful People. I do this weekly, bringing you the highest achievers. We're going to learn how the very best climb to the top and pull out lessons along the way. If that sounds good to you, make this a habit. Subscribe on Apple's podcast app, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, tell a friend. Also, subscribe to the Fort Knox YouTube channel at fortknox.com slash YouTube. There you'll find videos of some of my favorite moments from these podcast interviews. New this week, watch Tom Siebel tell the story of how he survived, barely survived, getting trampled and gored by a wild elephant. But now, back to the chimps. I sat down with MailChimp co-founder Ben Chestnut in the bustling lobby of CNBC's iconic conference earlier this year. I apologize ahead of time for the background noise on this one to get some inspiration for people who dream of starting their own thing, or really just doing anything hard. Here's Ben Chestnut. We haven't gotten to talk about your background, pre-2000. What brought you to the point where you're starting this company, web design company that eventually births MailChimp? How did you get to the point of entrepreneurship? Well, uh, it's really easy. I got laid off. Ah. <laughs> so, I'm, I mean, I think I, I grew up watching entrepreneurs. My mother was one. She ran a hair salon in our kitchen. My sister eventually moved out of the kitchen and, and built like a non-kitchen-based salon. <laughs> uh, so I, I got to watch that growing up. And then uh, I had a corporate job for a couple of years at a great company with uh, Cox Interactive Media. Uh, and then they started a dot-com. And, uh, you know, April 2000, all dot-coms uh, died. And, yes. uh, you know, they offered me, um, they gave me a severance check, and they actually offered me a job back with the mothership. And, I mean, it's, it just speaks to what a great family company that is. Uh, and and I this was is really in Atlanta? Grateful. This is in Atlanta, yeah. Is that where you're from? That's, I'm, I'm from about two hours away in a, a, a small town called Hepzibah, Georgia. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, and so, you know, I had this offer to go back and, and get another job, but I knew that if I didn't take this opportunity to start my own company, I probably never would. Did having a parent who was an entrepreneur yeah. kind of seed that into you at some level? I think it did, but probably not in a way most people think. Um, I mean, it's hard. Yeah, and it, but it's also just a way of life. It's not like this, uh, like you were talking about backstage, like what is a big idea, like the Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook and you know, the next Google, that, is, that really is a big idea. You know, most of entrepreneurship though is just survival. It's just making a living. And these ideas start off small. I mean, yes. Facebook is the Facebook. Hey, what if yeah. we had pictures yeah, of everybody right. in the class, right? Yep. And they eventually turn into big ideas. That's right, yeah. How much of your frugality comes from watching a parent build a small business in the kitchen that then grows outside of it. Seeing the ups and downs. Because my mom is an artist. She had a card business, a greeting card business for a while growing up. And, you know, we'd be dealing with card designs and stacking inventory in the basement. That certainly has informed how I think about entrepreneurship. It's funny that you say greeting cards because that's how MailChimp came about. <laughs> okay. Did you know this? No, I don't know the story. So, uh, be during the dot-com craze, there was a greeting company called BlueMountain.com. Oh, yeah. E-greetings. Do you remember they got bought by a search engine called Excite? Uh-huh. Okay. For $600 million. Six, I didn't remember it was $600 million. <laughs> right. And do you remember Excite? Does anybody remember? Yeah. So I was fresh out of school, and I saw that press release come down the wire, and I said, holy cow, I'm going to start an e-greeting site, and I'm going to make $700 million. <laughs> because my sister and I used to draw greeting cards when we were young. Ah. We used to love that. We used to talk about like that being... She went on to work at Hallmark Cards. Wow. Actually, and I went on to start an e-greetings business that went nowhere. But the parts, or the code that we use to build e-greetings is actually just email marketing. You yeah. have to deliver HTML email with graphics in it. Yeah. So we, you know, it didn't take off. We shuttered that project, but it was a happy mistake. Uh, like Bob Ross, right? So later, when we learned our small business clients needed email marketing, we just took those parts out of the parts bin and built MailChimp. Well, let's talk about the email marketing thing because right now the prevailing wisdom is that yeah, everything's dead. PCs are dead. <laughs> uh, email is dead. I think yeah. tablets are supposedly dead now. But entrepreneurs are still managing to find life and growing businesses within these arenas that are supposedly dead. Where's the disconnect? I think the people who are saying that it's dead are people way at the forefront. They're thinking 20 years out. Those are the uh, VCs, right? They're thinking way out there. And they're, they're also, if it's, if it's not another Mark Zuckerberg or the next Google, it's dead to them already. So I think that's really where it's coming from. And unfortunately, it makes a whole lot of people, it trickles down to everyone else uh, real people who believe, well, it's too late. I, sh I shouldn't get into that business. Wasn't it Yogi Berra who said something like, oh, uh, that, that place, nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Right. I mean, is that, is that email? In <laughs> yeah, essence, kind of. everybody's yeah. on email already, yeah. so there's no growth in the category, and therefore people say it's dead because everybody's on it. Right. But so what we're, does... we're seeing is that email is kind of at the heart of all of your marketing. Uh, like so, we're like you joked around upstage. We were, we were we're adding social channels. We're also adding direct mail. Yeah, adding social channels. How does yeah. that work? If I'm if I'm a small business and I'm looking to stay in touch with customers, and I use Mailchimp, and I get people on my mailing list, tell them about 
new products, promotions, whatever we've got going on. Yeah. How does social fit into what MailChimp does then? Well, it's really easy now to take a picture of the thing you're selling. So if Sarah was starting out now, she'd probably take a picture of her bottle and post it on Instagram. If she already had maybe 200 customers who signed up for her email list, that little seed list that she built up is actually the perfect list to upload to Facebook and Instagram. And they'll do a lookalike list and find people similar to those initial customers that she bought or that she got. Right. So that's how this email kind of ties all of these different channels together. Fascinating. So you said also direct mail? Yeah, that's right. Everything old is new again. That's what my CMO <laughs> says. Uh, so once you, once you connect all of these different channels with an email identity, it's really easy to say, hey, uh, let's send an email to John. Oh, he clicked the email, but he didn't buy anything. Oh, wait, he visited your website. He uh, liked your Instagram post. You know, let's wait about two weeks and send him direct mail. Then he might buy that high ticket item. So how are you different five, ten years from now from the traditional... Uh, direct mail marketing company or is that company dead <laughs> and you become the new marketing channel? I think that what's happening is all of the channels are actually turning into one big brain and I think that's, that's what's going to happen to MailChimp. It's already underway. So you used to draw greeting cards as a kid yes. and you studied design. Industrial design. Industrial yeah. design yeah. in school. It seems almost odd that you're in email marketing because industrial design, I think of physical objects. That's right. Um, you know, you were drawing things by hand. What did you think you were going to be when you grew up? I thought I'd be a car designer. I love cars, and that's what I wanted to be. And I was interning at an appliance company, just trying to learn the trade a little bit. Um, appliances, good place to start to get your way into cars. But it was like um, I had a mentor there, and he kept pulling me aside. And it was like that scene in The Graduate where they're like, it's all plastics, kid. He was like, it's all web design, kid. You got to get into web design. And so I started to look into that. And sure enough, it was something that I thought I could master. And there really were no rules. So no one could hold me down. There, were, there, there wasn't like an established uh, leadership ladder that I would have to find a way to climb. Like you could become a rock star on your own. So what year is that? This is uh, 98. 98. How, yeah. how far out of college are you at this point? Uh, I am two years in. Two years into college? Yeah. So this or, is, no, you know what? It's 96. 96. So okay. the Olympics are in Atlanta in 96. Right. And all my friends are having fun at the Olympics, interning at the Olympics. And I was in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Oh, wow. Hopping <laughs> in Cedar Rapids. Interning for a minute appliances. You can yeah. look at the trees or you can be on the rapids. I don't <laughs> know. That's right. All sorts of things to do. That's right. So you're halfway through college at this point, interning? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I guess we're around the same age. Uh, web design at that point was still pretty brand new. I mean, the web browser was only a couple years old uh, at that point. I think it came out yeah. in 94. Netscape, yeah. Yeah. Did that appeal to you sort of as a, a substitute for the three-dimensional design that you might have had in mind? Yeah, what I learned with web design was you could launch a design and see customers interact with it immediately. Ah. Whereas with the appliance, it would take three years for it to get out of the factory floor. And you can refine it as yeah. you go. Did that Within seconds. loop of feedback appeal to you? Absolutely. It's very addictive. And I applied to be a web designer at Cox, and my resume fell into the wrong hands, and I ended up as a banner ad designer. Which, I mean, you talk about feedback loop. I mean, I would design a banner ad and it would get out on all of the search engines 
and within seconds they would tell me who was clicking on what. And I would learn how to optimize all of my designs for clicks. Taught me a lot. I'm really thankful for that little, that happy accident with my resume. <laughs> and that seems to feed into email marketing because open rates, conversion rates are a big part of that business. For the uninitiated, people at home who maybe open email, but aside from that, they have little experience thinking about this. Explain what your business does and what a really great email is. <laughs> um, I've been in this 17 years and there's no real easy way to do this. But if you're an entrepreneur and you've got something to sell or you're building a brand, you log into MailChimp and you create your story and you send it out to your customers. There's no real formula for a great email. Uh, usually it's something, it's, um, you're telling a story, uh, you're creating a customer experience. That's, but some of them are like newsletters uh, telling customers uh, all about the founder. Uh, and some of them are just great deals. The only thing that really connects all of the great emails is that they are somehow useful. If I, if I had to boil it all down to two words, it would be be useful. And how do you measure usefulness in an email? Well, for some people, it's engagement. So if you're just telling a story uh, about John Fort, you would look at whether or not people opened it and shared it. Uh, but if you're selling swell bottles, you might look at how many people click to buy. Right. So there are different ways to different ways to measure. So first step is, do they open it? Yeah. So build your brand. Is your subject line or whatever good enough yeah. that they actually open it? And then beyond yeah. that, do they glance at it for a moment and toss it in the in the trash? Right. Or do they do something with it? Right, right. So all of our clients, no matter who they are, and this is the way it's been for years, is they come with two goals. Build your brand, sell more stuff. Hmm. You've talked about social. You've talked about direct mail. Yeah. How much further do you go in the marketing chain? There are lots of other ways that people go about reaching customers. Television, billboards, and I'm sure more ways are being invented every day. It used right. to be text messaging. Uh-huh. Is there... Any arena that you see yourself not going into? No. Uh, and, and if you had asked me two years ago, I might have said, there's no way I would do any of this stuff, especially direct mail. My name is MailChimp. There's mail in there, okay? Uh, but the, the, the trick is you got to get out on the street. You got to talk to your customers and ask them what they think about your brand. And after I've been, our whole team's been visiting our customers and they're telling us, we want MailChimp in everything. So if there's an API... We want to connect to it. We want that channel inside of MailChimp. Okay, got to ask. Um, it's been bothering me for a little while. Okay. Where did the chimp come from? <laughs> the greeting site. I wondered the if it most, was... The most popular card. Did you draw the chimp? I drew, I drew the chimp. And so, ah, see. <laughs> and he was a monkey. Uh-huh. He was hanging from a tree, and then I took his face off, and I, I made it MailChimp. And all over our website... So it's really, it's really male monkey, isn't it? It was MailMonkey, but that domain was taken. Right. Uh, I mean, but the MailChimp animal, it looks like a monkey. Is it actually a chimp? He's, okay, we're getting, con- we're getting into this, right? So right. I, in the first few years, I dropped a lot of monkey business jokes all over the website. And a zoologist reached out to me <laughs> and said, you know that chimps are apes, right? They're not monkeys. Monkeys have tails. <laughs> right. I had no idea. So yes, yes. You, yeah, this is a scoop. Yes. Fort Knox podcast. He's actually a monkey. <laughs> it's actually a monkey. But it's called MailChimp. That's okay, though. It's all the same family. Monkeys have to work. 
you know. That's right. The casting hey. call was hey. for a chimp. Yes. A monkey showed right. up and was good enough and got the job. Good enough. There's a lesson in there somewhere. Yeah. I'm sure we could. I'm sure we yeah. could get the domain name. Fast. Put it together. <laughs> so, you mentioned when we were on stage earlier at this iconic conference that your wife has played an important role in oh, the business. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me more about that, uh, about the role of having a committed partner who might not be on the payroll, um, but, but is an important part of the business. Are you trying to make me cry? Yes. Is that what you're doing? Yes. Like Without actually Oprah hitting you. or something yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what can I say? I mean, she constantly reminds me who I am, what I'm all about. Uh, whenever I'm nervous to death about going to New York and getting on uh, shows like this, she, she calms me down. She texted me this morning. Uh, so I, she's always grounding me. At what stage of the business did you get together, or were you two together even before the business started? Uh, we're childhood or high school sweethearts. Oh, wow. So I knew her when I was uh, 17. 17? Yeah. Now, which, which town in Georgia did you say? Hepzibah. Now, were you 17 in Hepzibah, Georgia, when you two That's got right. together? Yeah. Yeah. How did that happen? Uh, we were both in uh, the same karate class. Ah. Yeah, on a military base. Because yeah. your dad is military, is that right? That's right. And my dad played an integral role in our meeting. So one day, uh, my father would drop me off. I couldn't drive yet. And her father would drop her off. And one day, the karate school closed down, and we were the only two people left waiting for our rides. We were sitting on the front steps, getting to know each other, waiting for our dads. My dad pulled up. And I said, see you later, I gotta go. Got into the car, and my dad said, what the heck are you doing, boy? <laughs> Get your butt back out there and sit down with her until her father comes. And he taught me a big lesson there. Little chivalry happening yeah. there? Yeah, and the rest is, rest is history. Did your dad, all, was your dad also playing wingman a little bit there? Can you tell <laughs> he that could perhaps? have been, yeah. He slowly put the car in reverse and disappeared <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Turned on the radio, yeah. <laughs> parked around back. Right. Uh, who was the higher belt at the time? Uh, I was. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, did she kind of go on to, to be able to completely take you down? She could take me down at any moment, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. So that relationship, uh, do you stay together all the way through the rest of uh, high school into college? I mean, I think or? it was a yeah, long-distance relationship. Yeah. That's uncommon. <laughs> so, you get, so you get back together, you end up in the same town. Uh, yeah. She sees you go through these different stages yeah. of career. What's her track at the same time? What's she becoming career-wise? She was a pediatric nurse. Uh-huh. Yeah, which helps tremendously because we had health benefits, a lot of coverage. That's a lot more linear, right? I mean, if yeah. you're going to be a pediatric nurse, you decide yeah. that pretty early in your college That's career. Right. You know exactly what you've got to do. And if you do well, you score high. It's not easy, right. but you eventually become whatever sort of nurse, doctor you've targeted, That's right? right? That's right. It's, and, and she was on uh, night shift always because we, we made a little extra money that way. And it just helped me stay awake late too. She would do night shift, I would do night shift. And it was just normal for our family. Like there was never a, we never see each other or anything. It was just, we both pulled all-nighters all the time. It's just normal. Did she have entrepreneurial background as far as family. So you remember I told you my mother ran a salon yes. in our kitchen? Uh -huh. Well, the first time I went to her house to meet her mother, guess what her mother did? She ran a salon in her kitchen. Oh, wow. So I knew exactly what to do. I said, hello, ma'am. Let me grab that broom and sweep some hair for you. And uh, how would you like me to organize your uh, curlers? Uh, <laughs> so I think we hit it off pretty soon. 
and your dad's lesson of taking that <laughs> initiative had clearly rubbed off on you by <laughs> then. Right. You weren't yes. going to sit back and wait for something to happen. Yeah. Um, did that inform the way that she reacts to, that your wife reacts to your business, uh, either growing or getting started? Because certainly if you've got a job offer, but you decide, hey, now or never, I'm going to start my own thing. Yes. She could either react to that like, are you sure? Are right. you crazy? Or yes, absolutely. Now's the time. Go for it. She knew me really well. She knew that deep down inside, I needed to start a business someday in my life. And so when I was laid off and my co-founder and I really wanted to start a business, I said, I've got to get my wife's permission first. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we all went out to dinner one day and I remember asking her. And to her, it was a no big deal kind of thing. She just said, yeah, do it. You need to do it. And that's all I needed to hear. Do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? I consider myself an introvert, for sure. I would have guessed that. I'm an introvert, too. Yeah. A lot of times, the image that we get of entrepreneurs is being these super extroverted, in-your-face, selling it all the time people. Yeah. You're an introvert, but you're running a business that's about getting out and yeah. reaching people. Has that been hard for you? Or is there something in that stereotype about entrepreneurs and extroverts that's false? Yeah, I don't know. I think that whenever I have to get on stage, it's nerve-wracking, but I, it's like a switch just goes off. I know that I'm doing it for the team. I know that there are 675 employees back in Atlanta watching this live streaming and cheering me on, and that just kind of helps me just switch modes. But I know that after this, I'm going to crash in the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for introverts, it takes energy yeah. to express that, yeah. especially in front of crowds. Yeah. Extroverts get energy from that. What, what do you do to unwind whenever you're done with this sort of thing? What do I do to unwind? Yeah. Just go home and have dinner with the family. Yeah. And then have a glass of wine and sit on the couch. Yeah. My wife likes to, there are a few favorite shows yeah. that she likes to watch. And we just watch her shows and I chill out. And that's just how you recharge, right? Because this just saps a lot. Yeah, it really yeah. can. But I also, I also get energized by great content. So it's weird. In a way, kind of going out and doing the interview is exhausting yeah. and writing up the interview can be exhausting, but looking at the finished product and thinking about yeah. how the audience is going to receive it, especially if I feel like we've got something, boy, they're really going to enjoy that. That's a great nugget. That energizes me. I can't tell you how many little tiny articles from Inc. Magazine or Entrepreneur or any of the magazines over the years have really influenced me over these. So you're doing great work. I can imagine that would be very rewarding. Well, I'm listening to great work, right? <laughs> that's, that's really all that I'm doing. Uh, thank you for sitting down and sharing a bit of your story. Thanks for having me. My thanks to Ben Chestnut. I'm John Fort from CNBC, and this has been Fort Knox, Rich Ideas and Powerful People. Subscribe on Apple's podcast app, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Please do leave a review if you enjoyed this. Also, subscribe to Fort Knox Live on Facebook, Periscope, YouTube. I'm taking your comments and questions, usually Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, but I also check in, hey, throughout the week, so be sure to subscribe. I tackle some of the most interesting business and economic issues with a little help from my friends at CNBC and from you. Just go to YouTube and search for Fort Knox or go to Facebook and search for John Ford and you know what to do from there. Meanwhile, share this. Tell a friend. Drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or FortKnox.com. That's F-O-R-T-T-K-N-O-X.com. And as always, thank you for lending an ear.
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.